Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Humpty Calderon. And today I'm chatting with Punya, product lead at Set Protocol and Index Coop. We explore Index Coop and the importance of creating accessible entry points for crypto, such as decentralized asset management funds. We also take a look at some of the revolutionary processes that DAOs are experimenting with to improve collaboration and coordination. So let's get started. I'm Punya. Um, I'm from New York City and um, Really, like it might be because of my immigrant background, but I deeply believe in the necessity of each of us to find our place. And I kind of think of place on three different axes, like physical, emotional, and spiritual. Um, but I think that's like a really important thing and, and what drives me because finding the right place kind of creates deep harmony between us and the universe. And kind of out of that harmony, we're able to live, live like much more vivid, beautiful, and impactful lives. Um, and that's really what got me so passionate about Web3, because I think kind of the, what Web3 enables is, is really awesome coordination, like we've never been able to do, do, to do so before. And the end game of coordination, in my opinion, is really helping everyone find their like, place and for us as a species to like, really awaken. Um, and so currently today, I'm like a PM at Set Protocol, which is like this uh, DeFi asset management startup. And we helped, uh, I was on the team that kind of helped launch IndexCorp, which is um, a DAO we started on top of our protocol that kind of consumes um, our services. Um, and within the Index Group, I've really been involved in setting up the community and, and, and more recently um, leading products and helping build up the product and engineering organizations. Yeah, so what is Set Protocol and uh, how... Did that inspire Index Co-op? Sure, yeah. Set Protocol is basically um, asset management on the on Ethereum. So we we basically create ways by which people can create uh, decentralized asset management funds and have some confidence that the person is not just going to run away with the capital. Um, and you know, our our like funds have really interesting properties that are uniquely enabled by like Ethereum, which is like each fund is tokenized as an ERC twenty, so you can actually like trade a fund as, as you would like an index fund, short it, leverage long it, and do, do all these kind of like cool things that make it really possible with like the rest of the kind of uh, DeFi ecosystem. Um, and really where we were as set protocol is that we've been trying, like we've kind of had this really powerful, um, you know, underlying software and we've been trying to like figure out different ways, to like go to market with it. Um, and, uh, you know, DeFi summer happened. We saw like, wow, like for the first time in crypto, there was like this, uh, emergent um, genre, like there was this kind of class of tokens, like these DeFi governance tokens. And for the first time, there's really something, there's like this investable category on Ethereum, and we could really create these index funds, which we've thought about for some time. Um, and in, in creating those index funds, we, we thought it was a better fit for like um, an organization built on top of us than for us to do directly. Um, and so with, with some of that uh, kind of thinking, 
uh, we decided to really spin up the um, and it really started off as an experiment. Like we weren't really sure how it was going to go, but it ended up blooming into like one of the most beautiful DAOs that I've seen. Yeah, that's really great. So um, in terms of index co-op, it sounds like it functions like a DAO um, and versus like set protocol is more of like a traditional that's accurate. organization, yep. right? Yeah, well, that's cool. So uh, as a product manager uh, at Index Co-op, like what's your function, I guess, in the DAO and, and what are like some of the things that you're working on? Right sure. Now? Yeah. Like within the DAO, um, as many of you all can probably relate, like your hats are numerous and they change often. Like I started off helping out with like marketing and setting up working groups and kind of like these DAO operations. Uh, but somewhere around like midsummer, we realized that like, you know, Index Coop is like a... It's a, it's a beast and it wants to like own its own products and own its own engineering and, and it doesn't want to depend on kind of like sets, products and engineering knowledge. Um, and so when that happened, we started pursuing this kind of idea of engineering and product autonomy um, more seriously. And so my role really transitioned into over like, okay, how can we get like the right like kind of product people, the right engineers? How do we have them communicate? How do you do like sprint planning and pods and stuff like that, the agile process within like a DAO. Um, and so really my role today is, is helping kind of create that structure and bringing on like the right leaders um, to help like propagate it and take it to the next level. Such a tough, but such an incredible uh, job because of the fact that one, yeah, you're helping to kind of frame these systems, but it's so valuable, right? In order for a DAO to function properly, there needs to be like these systems, these rails for people to kind of plug in and just totally. And like, um, we're realizing just how important those rails are. Like, not only are they like important for like new people onboarding, but it, they're also kind of important for people already within the DAO to have trust with each other because they kind of know like what somebody else is doing and, and, and how to work with them. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird how like this emergent structure actually ends up being like super, super useful. So what, uh, I guess, in terms of like what Set Protocol, Index Co-op, what they're doing and uh, comparing that to like TradFi, uh, what is like a good um, example, I guess, a good parallel to what like is being done at these projects uh, compared to like in traditional finance and how, why or how is that better? Yeah, I think like how it really boils down to it is accessibility. Um, and accessibility is like really, really important. Um, you know, you, you can think of like being able to access like the economic markets we're a part of as like the way by which one person is able to benefit from the upside in like the society in with, within which they pro like um, participate. Like, for example, like, you know, me holding like the S&P 500 is like the mechanism by which like I have upside into like the general improvement of like the U.S. economy. And you know, without having that like access, like it, it kind of like isolates me and it isolates my work. And, and, you know, that's kind of why you see such giant like wealth gaps that are beginning to emerge, or at least that's one of the potential reasons why you end up seeing like these large uh, yeah, gaps emerge. Um, and so what we do differently is, is really this kind of like points on accessibility. You know, as with composable DeFi structures, accessibility means like a lot of things, though, like the ones that we can kind of lean on are like one, like anybody from anywhere in the world can access now like the, the DeFi market through like the DPI or the metaverse market through like the MBI or like the data economy, the data index and, 
and it, there's no such like gates that exist anymore. They can even do it for like super gas if they want to do so on Polygon. Um, and that's really powerful. That like really binds us together all around the world into uh, sharing upside into this new revolution that's kind of happening. Um, on the second side, like we, we also enable like methodologists with like powerful ideas to help like construct these products and, you know, bring their visions to life um, and be able to provide like, um, you know, a lot of these things like secondary market liquidity that are very, very hard to do TradFi very, very quickly. Like for us, like, um, you know, one thing we often hear is like talking to TradFi people is that it typically takes like a few years for like an index fund or an ETF to reach like $100 million uh, in AUM. That's like the quickest it typically happens. And for us, we like, I think we got to $100 million in like months. Now we're at some 400, 500 million um, really quickly. And I think that's because of um, just the accessibility and flexibility that we really offer. This is all the funds on Index Co-op or one particular product? Uh, I think cumulatively, um, I'm not sure what the number is, but it, it typically ranges between zero to 500 million, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. So <clears throat> you touched on two things here. So let's unpack that. You were talking about DPI, uh, MVI. You also were talking about uh, methodologists. Walk us through what is a methodologist? You know, how are they, how do you find them and what is their role? This is actually kind of an interesting question because it's something that uh, we're actually trying to make really explicit uh, because we're kind of being tested um, as to like what that specifically means. But in the general case, like a methodologist uh, is somebody that has some unique insight onto the market um, and some unique kind of like distribution mechanism. Um, but what they don't have is like the technological backend or the legal like regulatory clarity to actually be able to like leverage those two things. Um, and so uh, what we provide to methodologists is a way by which they can actually turn their like vision um, into an actual product that people can invest in, where they don't actually have to do any of the operations or bear any of the legal risk. They kind of act as a oracle that submits like a data feed. And we, as like the index group, really implement it and turn it into like a product. Um, and so that's kind of like the relationship there. Like we, we realize there's like a whole world of like people that like don't understand crypto or technology and they don't need to like that's our job and we can like provide that service to them and we can help them create these like really beautiful and magical products and we've been able to do so with like kind of a a whole a whole host of like really different um methodologist profiles including you know bankless bankless down yeah so you talked about um you know not need like there's there being people that aren't you know familiar or, you know, they're not necessarily the most uh, proficient with crypto, but they don't need to be. Uh, in terms of like what Index Co-op is doing with these indexes, like DPI, BED, MVI, like how are these, uh, like what, what was the, I guess, the, the thought process to making them uh, or, or, you know, developing these indexes and what's their role in making crypto more accessible? Yeah, you know, like um oftentimes we're just it's 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 kind of a two-way conversation between the like the methodologist like we try to do our own insight in understanding like the market um to try to like understand where the most friction is and where that friction can be solved through technology uh like the dpi for example was like um something that was like very clear to like a lot of members of the set team that hey like we see this thing emerging we want to invest in 
but yo, we're like working at a startup. Like we don't have time to like really follow all these like tokens and, and, and trends and whatnot. So um, we try to like have that insight ourselves, like in-house and, and do our work. Um, but we also depend heavily on, on methodologists that come to us and with like kind of their insights as well. Um, and so like uh, we, so like product decisions are, are really uh, collaborative with a methodologist um, and, and the work done there. Um, and, and that's like the way to do it, you know, like it's like collaborativeness and openness and communication always produces like the kind of the best outcomes. And so that's, that's really like how we decide to pursue like the products that we end up pursuing. Um, in terms of like what they really provide to people is, is really just like simplicity and like, um, uh, safety, like those core values mean so much to people that like only understand crypto from like a surface level because like if like if you if you're just like going into crypto the first time like it does not feel safe and it does not feel simple and so we're actually able to serve as like the abstraction layer over all of that um which is really what asset management does and package it up really neatly for a person to then consume like there's so many funny stories on our forums about like people getting like their grandparents like to, to buy like the product and um, it's a super digestible kind of context. Like, hey, this tracks this market, um, and you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about taxes, balances. You don't have to like, uh, like really worry about like what assets are going in or going out. Like, we kind of take care of all that for you. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think. Well, I guess first of all, before I get into DPI uh, or you know why I like it, what is the oldest uh, index or the first index that was built on IndexQuap? Yeah, it's the DPI. The DPI was actually built up before we even launched like the co-op. Um, but it, it was the first product that like the Unix co-op took on. Would you say that then DPI kind of sparked the coup? It totally did, yeah. Yeah, there was a need for it then, uh, like for, for, there, for there to be a separate entity to manage, I guess, this process? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, for me, I... I'm a fan of DPI because for everything that you said uh, moments ago, which is, you know, what for, for those of us who are in this space and we're building, uh, and maybe just for everyone, just generally, it's really hard to keep track of everything that's going on in the market, but we still want to, you know, tap into the market in some way and um, I guess take advantage of some of the value that we're building into this ecosystem, right? And so what better way than uh, something like an index? that can get a lot of that upside too, you know, across uh, mm -hmm. the entire market. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And certainly I think indexes are going to continue playing a big role in making crypto easier. Um, and another, another one for that exact reason is MVI, right? I think that the metaverse tokens certainly uh, are valuable in the sense that they're incredibly novel and emergent, um, at least the technology that's being built around them. But mm -hmm. unlike DeFi, I think that they still haven't uh, gained that like massive momentum, right? Where there's potential uh, growth still, uh, or not? Well, there's still definitely, I think, potential growth uh, into those ecosystems. And so, to be able to like track that growth, I think is is super interesting and valuable with like the MVI token. Absolutely. the 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 thing we kind of struggle with with tokens like the MVI and these kind of like more niche trends is the underlying liquidity of like the tokens that make index like that tends to be a, 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 a bit of a choke point um but you know we're like thinking even bigger than like indexes like um i think like at like we can 
we're super good at like abstracting abstracting complexity and we can do that in like a variety of cases like something that we were re- we were really exploring with synthetics over the summer was like making it easy for like somebody to uh, be a staker on their platform and not have to worry about like the debt risk like that was an interesting kind of opportunity that we saw that was like a little bit different from like indexes but um was able to deliver like a very deep like value prop to a certain small uh, group of crypto users um, in a very helpful way. So we're really excited about this like general opportunity to really abstract away um, uh, complexity and, and provide like this safety. Yeah. What I like that the tokens or these indexes that are getting built, there's like a link or some sort of alignment with the um, people that are uh, helping to develop with the methodologist, right? So as an example, the BED index, the BED token, that is a composite of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and DeFi. I believe that is balanced equally. I think it's like 33% across all of them. But what I find interesting in that is that, you know, I think the bankless mission, right, is to uh, help people go bankless and uh, facilitate education in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and DeFi. So (laughs) it just feels like that is a sensible move for a project like Bankless to make and to develop a, I guess, a token that aligns uh, closely to its mission to make this space more accessible uh, and easier to to participate in. I got to tell you, like working with DAOs and protocols is the most fun for me because it's like, we're like creating our own, we're creating our own party. Like, it's awesome. So I am expecting then a DAO index in the future. Um, I maybe you're already working that and you don't have to drop alpha if you don't want to, but I think that there's probably value in that because there are so many DAOs that have sprung up, uh, many of them tokenized as well. So, and, and certainly I think a lot of them are really building, uh, tremendous value into the space and technology themselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, um, uh, hopefully I know our pods are, I've been exploring that kind of theme for quite some time. And- and hopefully we'll have some news and updates for you guys coming soon. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't, I didn't pull any alpha out of you, but that's fine. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> so what is uh, the structure of the index DAO? You were talking about pods just now. What are, what are some of the, I guess, different working groups uh, within the DAO? Yeah, it's... Um... It's been pretty like interesting to see how it's all like really emerged. Um, you know, one of the first things that emerged from like the early months of like the coup was this idea of like different tiered levels of contributors, um, and that was to kind of like gamify a little bit like this aspect of of contributing to the coup, and also to make kind of like this idea of giving rewards a little bit simpler and more structured. Um, from the tiered owls, we kind of. Uh, came up with this or we didn't come up with it we created this idea of like a working group which was kind of a subgroup within a DAO with like a specific mandate and a specific time by which it like uh needs to get reinstated again and we thought it was really important to kind of attach like um a time horizon to like a specific group um just so that like we could have these like quick well-defined iteration cycles um and, and the working group stuff was really inspired by peter pan and a lot of the work that he's done with Meta cartel. Um, basically, when when we kind of realized we really needed to become an independent product and engineering organization, we took a lot of like learnings from uh, the kind of agile software development by the storm and created these like kind of cross functional pods that uh, are these executional engines that exist 
groups. So like traditionally, like before pods, like if if for example to launch bed, if we had to get a request from design, like we basically sent it to like the design working group, they became a black box and they gave it back to us at some point. And that was a pretty messy process. So instead we create these like pods, which are these teams that you know you'll have somebody from product, somebody from engineering, somebody from design, analytics or whatever. And you'll have them kind of consistently working together and having ownership of a specific kind of product line. And so Today, we have two. We have like the Leverage Indices pod, which is led by Aframac, and, and they kind of own everything around like the Leverage Indices that we have going on. And the Simple Indices pod owned by Doc Habanero, which is um, indices like DPI, MBI, and, and, and BED. Um, and so that, was, so that was kind of a real step function in our um, capacity to make an impact. Um, and we're really trying to define like what, what the future of the organization looks like from here. Like we're running into like, several challenges regarding funding and um, uh, like uh, contributor onboarding and, and stuff like that, that are going to push us to find kind of new elements of structure. Uh, we're going to try to do it a bit proactive um, instead of, you know, reacting. Um, but it's, it's going to be like really cool. Uh, yeah. Just to kind of see like what comes next. Like so thus far, we've gotten a lot of inspiration from traditional software companies, but I think now we're really going to have to start like innovating on our own yeah so it sounds like then um the dow has like this pool of talent uh that can that contributes in you know specific areas like design and uh maybe some sort of technological innovation and marketing but these pods kind of uh gather uh individual contributors or people who i guess are specialized to be able to move quicker and build faster Exactly. Yeah. Um, through this kind of sharing of context and knowledge that they each represent. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I've certainly, I, I can see how that could be a much better way to work. Uh, I think DAOs uh, are just by nature, at least at, the, at their current stage, very messy uh, because there's just a lot of people who are working uh, while to towards a common goal. They are working asynchronously. Right. And so a lot of times that can cause some chaos and confusion in terms of who's doing what and uh, when can we get something completed by. So to be able to hold uh, a group of people accountable for something is probably better than holding an individual accountable for something. Yeah. And symmetrically, you know, accountability needs to come with ownership. So giving people real like a, ch a chance to like, you know, really have an impact is super powerful. That's interesting. I, this is the second time I hear the word ownership in terms of DAOs. I think yesterday uh, I read a tweet by um, Chase Chapman, um, and she mentioned something about like the value in DAOs is ownership uh, of that that can, people can own something and, and and own processes. What is ownership? What do you think ownership is in terms of like DAOs and individual uh, contributions? Yeah, this may be like an incorrect framing, but I kind of view ownership natural extension of freedom, um, which is kind of something that we crave. Like ownership really just means um, the freedom to like explore and do what you want with something. Like so, for example, with like these pods, right? Like they get to like they get input, but they ultimately get to decide what like the product roadmap has, what the product roadmap is for their product lines, and they submit that to like kind of they decide kind of what the content roadmap is. And 
product, the, the opportunity to be kind of like, like free in that regard, I think is like very deeply like emotionally and intellectually satisfying. Um, and, uh, and it really is useful for us because when people are like deeply emotionally and intellectually satisfied, they do great work. So it's truly like this kind of amazing one. So what does uh, fluid hierarchies mean uh, at the DAO? Yeah, um, and this is certainly kind of going into my own personal philosophy, but I think where like DAOs are able to differ from traditional organizations is that like I think hierarchies are inevitable and not bad, right? Like we have some conception of hierarchies being bad because we're mostly used to like uh, what are called like power hierarchies, which are, you know, is like violence or domination or status oriented like hierarchy, um, you know, that, that can make us feel like disempowered or worse off. Um, but, you know, there's like another host of hierarchies that we can think about, like kind of like growth hierarchies. Like, for example, um, to you're a much better interviewer than I am. And that's great. Um, and that adds a lot. You being better than me at that adds a lot of value to my life. Similarly, like we have these innate like hierarchies within us. Um, and what DAOs let us do is is to have these hierarchies kind of be created and fully disbanded um, as they're like called upon. Um, and so I think like right now, like a lot of the chaos that we see in DAOs is because we're trying really hard to kind of attach a lot of like old school kind of thinking and organization building to like this new model where it's like not quite going to work. I think we need to like draw a lot more inspiration from nature. You know, it's kind of like how nature operates. Like it, it, it converges and diverges, converges, and it's like this kind of natural adaptive pattern that makes it really resilient and produces like really um, impressive outcomes. So, so similar with DAOs, I see this trend of converging and diverging of like several hierarchies that pop up to tackle problems whenever they occur within DAOs. And, and so that's really what I think defines like a DAO and, and how it's an institution of an organization. What is an example of? Um... I guess these hierarchies in nature that DAOs can uh, try to imitate. Uh, I think the most uh, fascinating one are like fungi. <laughs> okay, like uh, it's not um, like two guys, a guy with two thumbs pointing at himself, right? <laughs> not quite. Like I, I don't know if you've seen that documentary, like Fantastic Fungi, but um, this kind of like system, like this class of beings create like basically if you go into a forest and you take a step like between below each step is like 300 million or 300 meters or, or some crazy number of of these mycelial like neural connections that connect like um plants and trees that allow them to exchange um kind of nutrients and and the like um and it kind of creates these like really flexible uh and resilient organizations that can kind of respond to like changes in availability plants basis speed stuff like that. Um, and I think it's a great example of, and then they could also kind of like disband as needed to. And I think it's like a really cool example, like in nature of, of how these um, networks exi exist. And, and they're called like serial networks. Um, there's a fantastic documentary called Fantastic Fungi that you guys should totally check out. Yeah, I, um, through the fantastic suggestions of my Firefox browser, <laughs> I was uh, introduced to an article uh, that was talking about uh, fungus networks, mycelial networks, and was interested in, I found it interesting. And I, I, I guess, first of all, I was wondering if it got suggested because of DAOs, <laughs> because of the coordination and communication 
uh, networks that you know are, are getting built now, and maybe that was a a bit of a hint, like, hey, take a look at this, uh, or try try to replicate organic uh, systems. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting in terms of how they're connected and how they communicate. So, what is the uh, what I guess what what is the the way that governance is run on the index co-op and uh, you know what what are kind of some ways that people participate in it in it today yeah you know in all honesty right now one of the things I'm working on in index 2.0 is is really trying to define like a vision for governance like as governance is today like basically all decisions that uh, don't have social consensus or at least very clear social consensus fall into like this kind of IIP pattern that needs to get like voted on um, and it kind of works okay but it's like pretty inefficient and it's it's really hard to kind of for other people to understand like especially new people onboarding um, so like one of the things that we're really trying to like work on is is um, like a vision for governance kind of like what year 2.0 has with this idea of constrained delegation um, and so yeah so right, right now we basically have like these structures the working groups and pods and anything that doesn't that can't be solved within those like workshops um, essentially goes to governance, and that's a system fix. Yeah, governance is hard, <laughs> um, and I think probably more so finding, you know, what is soft governance, like what can be you know solved through like some sort of social signaling, and what needs to go into some sort of like you know like hard governance voting. Uh, structure. I think those are like a lot of the things that are currently a lot of DAOs and anything, I guess, with some sort of like uh, token governance is trying to solve. What are some other ways that you think that um, governance can potentially uh, be, how, how, I guess, how can community decisions be made? Uh, how can that signaling and that uh, decision making be made more fluid, I guess, for lack of a better word? Totally. Um... You know, I'm deeply, deeply just inspired by Yearn. Um, Track, who's kind of like the head of ops there, is not one of my intellectual idols. And so uh, whenever I face that question, I just draw a lot of inspiration from constrained delegation, which is this idea that like governance should only be used to like kind of delegate or take away um, power, essentially. And um, in, in like, you know, cases where like, you know, the organization is functioning to like the stakeholders it represents, you actually don't see any governance. Um, and I, I just think that's like a very kind of powerful idea. I think at the like we don't we don't really have a sense of you know do we want to do constrained delegation versus like kind of the Spartan Council idea that synthetics is. But um, I personally think that like yeah, using governance for, for that kind of express purpose, super super powerful. I don't think governance works, um, especially in DAOs that produce software where you have to like vote each product or vote on each like hiring decision. Like that's just. That's just a bad experience, I think, for the DAO and for like the token holders. So I'm really excited to change that. All right. Um, so what does the future hold for Index Co-op? I know we touched on a little bit in terms of like um, continuing to add more indexes. Uh, we're talking a little bit about governance, but what are some of the things that are on the roadmap and that you're excited for? Yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, the aspects of it that I'm yeah, at this point, it's such a such a complex organization. The aspects of it that I'm most intimately involved with and excited about are really around like organization and um, prod and engineering. So, like, you know, each week by week, you know, we're getting like much more like 
a product and engineering organization that produces software. And we're able to really do some R&D on some really cool products. So like what you see today with like the, these kind of like sector indices and like these fly products, like we're going to go far beyond that. Like there's so much of DeFi that we can build on and, um, you know, abstract the complexity away from. And there's so many like interesting protocols that have kind of approached us to be like really a UI for them, you know, be like, be like the simple kind of one product stop by which they can offer their services in their uh, entirety to like the mainstream audience that they want to target. Um, and so there's a, a lot of like really kind of cool things that are going to be happening there. Um, on the organizational front, I think as an organization, uh, like what we're really understanding is that like it, we've been really, really good at processing and operations, um, but we've missed like a lot of the soft side of what it means like bring people together. Like, you know, people are really binded by a shared fiction storytelling. Um, and so we're trying to understand what index group story is. Why are we doing what we're doing? To like what end? What does that mean? And we're, we're, we're trying to really focus on understanding that culture, you know, focusing, you know, really deeply on the person that, contri- that is a part of a DAO as opposed to thinking of DAO as like this factory that products, you know. Uh, we're really an ecosystem. We have to recognize and of complete humans and a DAO needs to really be able to, you know, address each part of like what it means for like a human to be happy. So anyways, so like, uh, yeah, well, I'm really excited for like the org to explore like the soft side of organizational building. And I'm really excited for like, product and engineering org to really have like the capacity to really um, amazing R and D and produce products way beyond like what a current suite. Yeah, no, you just put a smile on my face. So uh, I, I really like that perspective of, you know, trying to identify who is a member of your DAO and how they find happiness, right? I mean, because if we're not asking those questions now, I think as, as, as DAOs grow, um, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult in the future to ask these questions. The other thing I think also is that we're, we're at such a, early stage, I mean, for everything in crypto, but DAOs especially, that I think that maybe right now DAOs are trying to really serve everyone where they don't necessarily need to. Um, I think that DAOs do, will eventually uh, find a way to specialize and uh, occupy a space and add value to that space uh, and to their communities, you know, to the people that are, are members of their DAOs. And so people will have an opportunity to join multiple DAOs because they're, you know, each DAO will kind of represent a different piece of their identity. That's a beautiful world. <laughs> yeah. And that's really going to require like a lot of coordination from um, people like you guys that are really bringing new people into crypto. Um, so, yeah, but like that, that vision itself is, is incredibly awesome. Yeah. And incredibly Difficult, I think, also because inter-DAO communications are hard. Intra-DAO communications are impossible right now, I think. Um, I don't think that DAOs are necessarily communicating very well with one another. And so I think a lot of the problems in coordination are also happening because we are uh, not being very efficient uh, with the work that's being produced inside of DAOs and then kind of sharing that outside of uh, to, so, to support other DAOs as well. Yeah, and you know, like what's cool is that, like, even with all that inefficiency, we're growing and we're attracting more and more talent, and like stuff's like working. <laughs> yeah, 
I, but I think that's cr credit goes to the number of people that have found value in this space and maybe just didn't have a place before and now have found a home in the fact that A, they're able to contribute, but B, they're able to uh, be supported uh, and find recognition for their contributions. Yeah, um, I, I think that's like actually a pretty powerful frame. Um, that's probably like the most rewarding aspect about being like a leader in a DAO, which is being able to like take these people from like um, these really just like uh, unimaginably different and diverse backgrounds, and just seeing what happens when you give them support and give them trust, and like the kind of magical stuff that they can end up doing. Like uh, one of our earliest member contributors, his name is Over Analyzer, was like a private product work product lead and now is really focused on liquidity. It used to be like a chemist and like a chemical engineer and all that stuff. And like there's a lot of amazing things that can happen when you believe in people and you trust people and you give people resources to succeed. Um, and I think DAOs are just unleashing this like latent talent because DAOs understand that organizations are comprised of complete individuals, whereas previous companies thought of organizations as factories and it doesn't you know, matter who you are as a person, because, hey, your job is just like, I don't know, like cut this piece of metal or, or, or something very constrained and you're just part of it. Yeah, you're right. You couldn't bring your identity to the workplace because that didn't matter. You had to bring a very, uh, very particular and very small subset of who you were, or maybe just a niche set, niche skill set that you learned that really had nothing to do with who you are exactly no that was framed much much more concisely and perfectly um and uh if if there's like a quick tangent like i think that's kind of the problem like we're training kids to really fit into this model of factories which is as you describe like your identity doesn't matter your niche skill matters um and i think that's why so many people are falling out of that system so um you know what one thing i'd like to do with my life at some point is really kind of change that educational paradigm. 100%. Hey, when you decide to get started on that, I'm happy to join you. That's my life mission too, is to change education. Uh, my wife's actually a teacher and her and I have these discussions at length. You know, she's also really tired of the education system and, uh, you know, she's also wanting to start her entrepreneur journey to see how she can change that. Uh, but certainly, I think that there are things that we can take away from the way that DAOs are working today and maybe applying that to the way that we can teach the next generation too. Hell yeah. That's going to be like, you know, we're talking about bringing down banks. Like, man, we're going to bring down like schools and universities. <laughs> <laughs> They're next. You know, I think a lot of these institutions are built on really archaic models. And um, it's we have an opportunity right now to really revolutionize everything. Uh, and the beauty of it is, like I said, there's just so many people that are eager to to support this. And I think a lot of the reasons because they feel like the system may not have, uh, you know, failed them really, right? And they're looking to find a better way, not just for themselves, but for everyone and for the people that are coming right behind them, our children. Yeah, um, you know, I think the kid's point is like super important. Um, you know, something MetaDreamer says that's like really cool. Kids are kind of how we coordinate into the future. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, setting them up like well and, and changing these institutions so that, you know, they're not like 
lost or cheated by the system is is like the most important thing we can do. And that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you'd like to learn more about IndexCoop, please go to indexcoop.com and on Twitter at IndexCoop. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And stay tuned for our next discussion.